0: How much longer will we be watching news through tears as gun violence continues as a health care issue? Hello, I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable. And with me today is Dr. David Fleming, president of the American College of Physicians, the nation's largest medical specialty organization. He is also professor of medicine at the University of Missouri School of Medicine. Thank you very much, Dr. Fleming, for joining us today.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: I know the American College of Physicians this year has come out with a recent policy paper on firearm safety and regulations. Could you tell us briefly about it?
1: Yes, this uh, paper came out in April of this year uh, and and really was a a new policy paper that offers several strategies to address the societal health care and regulatory barriers to reducing firearms related violence, injuries and deaths in our country. We uh, approached this um, in relation to what we felt was a public health issue so that uh, any policy decisions would be based on scientific evidence. Our clinical guidelines and, and our, uh, any of our policy papers are evidence-based, and we uh, tend to do a deep dive in what data is there uh, and the appropriate information that needs to be shared uh, that uh, policy can be based on uh, for the good of the public.
0: You know, you can't open a newspaper nowadays without seeing an opinion poll on how the American public feels about gun control and gun issues. How is this different and how will it be more helpful if we can rely on research rather than these very positive opinion surveys?
1: Well, you know, one of the problems with opinion surveys is that they are opinions. Um, And uh, these are uh, very oftentimes strongly held opinions by those that are being asked the questions that are out there. And they can be quite varied, uh, very polar, in fact, uh, and uh, which uh, the issue about firearms and firearm safety um, uh, can oftentimes be, as we have seen. Um, We find that when we base our decisions and we base policy on subjective evidence, which is opinion and anecdotal evidence that oftentimes it doesn't quite capture really the areas that are universally important um, in how we uh, approach particularly public health issues. It's extremely important, we feel, that we look at um, objective evidence that is in place Uh, although anecdotal evidence can be, and certain cases and experiences that people have can certainly be informative uh, and and help to inform any decisions that are made, it's really important to look at what the facts are, Uh, because if we don't make decisions based on facts, then we tend to uh, actually steer policies and directions that may not actually be addressing the issues.
0: Well, our audience is almost entirely physicians, and what kind of published evidence can they go to this is cause, effect, and prevention?
1: You know, there's a, a great deal of published uh, evidence in the, uh, in the public health uh, domain right now. Um, and, in fact, our paper, uh, which was published in, in April of this year, uh, really reflects on a great deal of that uh, in terms of what uh, can be helpful, what can be useful, uh, and what uh, actually has been successful in the past in dealing with these kinds of issues. Um, and I would suggest that uh, uh, any of the public health papers or data sets that are there are areas where they can probably get uh, the information that they need.
0: Well, in 1996, the American College of Physicians had a policy paper on gun safety. Not a lot was done about that policy statement. How is this one different?
1: Well, you know, the mass shooting that occurred in December of 2012 at Sandy Hook um, uh, which left six adults and 20 children dead, uh, and other mass shootings that have, uh, you know, been seen in the news, uh, quite tragic over the past several years, have really brought firearm violence to the forefront, uh, really in the national discussion. Um, and over the past 18 years since our 96 paper was written, uh, the colleges felt that uh, it was important to really review uh, the available evidence and update its policy. Uh, in an evidence-based manner. Uh, This was sort of a wake-up call for us in looking at these tragedies that were occurring, uh, to look at the evidence and to see where we have been, uh, is there anything different now that was different at that time, um, and to um, really see if there is uh, a way we needed to approach this differently than we had. And what we found that really uh, many of our positions were reaffirmed. Uh, We also found that there was evidence in support of the effectiveness Uh, assault weapons bans, uh, waiting periods for concealed carry laws, um, and, uh, you know, that uh, we needed to enhance that. We felt that it was important that we uh, try to address the issues of of concealed carry um, uh, because of the uh, safety concerns that were out there. Um, although we uh, support these measures, uh, we also acknowledge that more research is needed. I mean, there, um, what we found is that, uh, that the data is not as good as we would like for it to be. Uh, this, The new paper that we have uh, published also includes recommendations on mental health, is in opposition to state or federal mandates that interfere with physician-free speech in the physician-patient relationship. We feel that physicians should indeed have an obligation to talk to their patients about safety issues in the home at at every level, and that includes firearms.
0: Uh, Although these mass terrible, terrible tragedies uh, have caught the nation's eye, statistically it appears that most deaths from firearms are unintentional shootings and suicide. So what can the doctor in his office do about that? It's unlikely he will stop the things like in aurora in a movie theater. But what can he do about these unintentional shootings?
1: You know, it's it's interesting. I, I think the comments that you make are accurate. Um, the uh, In fact, I've, I've got the data right here in front of me that the homicides by firearms result in about 11,000 deaths each year. But more than 19,000 firearm deaths are by suicide. Uh, and the number of non-fatal firearms injuries is more than double the number of deaths. Um, and it's estimated that nearly 74,000 non-fatal firearm injuries occur in the United States. Um, and this was back in 2011. And it's probably the data is probably fairly accurate uh, today in terms of the number of injuries that actually occur. So the evidence does suggest that firearm availability does increase the likelihood that a person can, will be killed, uh, either by homicide or suicide, um, when, when firearms are available to them. Uh, versus those situations where firearms are not available to them. This is similar to talking to patients about seat belts, uh, talking to patients, elderly patients about uh, taking uh, safety measures at home, so they don't have loose carpeting that may, they may slip on, so that they have handles to hold on to uh, when they're uh, when they're using the toilet, things along those lines. These are safety precautions that we feel are important to uh, ask patients about. Um, and we need to recognize that uh, firearms are, are also used in the community, uh, and they're used for sport, they're used for recreation. Uh, indeed, they're used for, uh, for self-defense. And we, we support and recognize the constitutional right for that, the Second Amendment right for that. Um, and, um, uh, but the paper doesn't really go after that particular area. What we're addressing are the health concerns, the health issues. And uh, we feel that there is more that certainly can be done along those lines.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like when a doctor says, I'm not anti-gun, I'm pro-gun safety, this is really the forefront of what your organization is saying. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Reach MD. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. And joining me today is Dr. David Fleming, president of the American College of Physicians. Today we're discussing what can be done to improve gun safety. A issue that certainly is on the forefront of the newspapers is the inability of Dr. Vivek Murthy to become Surgeon General. In 2012, this doctor said, quote, guns are a health care issue, unquote. Well, they are. What can doctors do to get Dr. Murthy or somebody who has the same feelings to become our Surgeon General?
1: Well, you know, the college uh, uh, does strongly support Dr. Murthy's nomination. Um, he's a uh, strong advocate for increasing access to healthcare. He has a strong track record in that regard. He has extensive experience in public health. Uh, He also happens to be a member of the college um, and uh, is an individual who uh, clearly is very bright. He's well-educated. Uh, and although Young has already shown a substantive degree of strong leadership uh, in areas that relate to public health just based on uh, on the uh, uh, policies and practices he has already put in place uh, for for what he has done um, in terms of physicians supporting uh, an individual like Dr. Murthy in uh, uh, to become uh the um Surgeon General of the United States or any in, um in other individuals who are going to be in leadership positions where they can influence policy that that uh physicians or anyone else feel strongly about, uh the best way to support is to advocate. Uh advocate in appropriate through appropriate channels, through their uh through individuals who um who are representatives that can Um, actually influence how individuals like Dr. Murthy are uh, actually uh, selected uh, and approved uh, for uh, positions when nominated uh, uh, to leadership positions like this. Um, and uh, they can also uh, advocate through their organizations, through their membership organizations who have, as with the American College of Physicians, they have very strong advocacy groups and advocacy offices uh, who do their homework, uh, who provide uh, evidence-based uh, responses and act as a resource to uh, legislators and administrators in government uh, who are making these decisions. Making their voice uh, heard in a, in a balanced, objective way I think is the most uh, appropriate way to do that.
0: Some experts at the Annals of Internal Medicine have tried to get to speak out in their journal and have been slow to come forward as they're worried that funds for their unrelated research would dry up if they advocate for gun control. Could this suggest that First Amendment rights are also in jeopardy over this issue?
1: You know, it's very hard for me to uh, speak to that. Um, while conducting the, um, this literature review, the college did identify significant gaps in the data where more evidence would be uh, useful to guide policy on firearm violence. Uh, there have been several congressional efforts, from, in the, oh, from starting from the 1990s uh, into the 2011, where uh, there's limited federal research on firearm violence which, uh, uh, you know, greatly reduces the availability of data for us to be able to make an informed decision about these kinds of issues. You know, it's hard. I I can understand why those doing this kind of research might be concerned that uh, funding uh, would be in jeopardy for this. Um, We certainly have no evidence that that would be the case, no strong evidence. Um, You know, the the CDC uh, has uh, been charged by uh, President Obama to reduce firearm violence um, and uh, to do research in this area and the causes and the prevention of firearm violence, and the CDC has also asked the Institute of Medicine and the National Research Council to identify the most pressing research needs for um, the public health aspects of firearm violence. Uh, In the IOM report, the Institute of Medicine report, in June of 2013, They uh, gave a recommendation that research should focus on five high-priority areas, uh, which are characteristics of firearm violence, the risk of protective uh, factors, uh, prevention and other uh, interventions, uh, firearm safety technology, and the influence of video games uh, and other media on uh, perhaps causing and and, and more intentional actions that relate to violence. Um, The college really does support this, and... uh, We uh, feel that there needs to be more funding uh, that would go to the CDC, National Institutes of Health, and uh, other um, funding agencies, other funded agencies who are going to do uh, research on this. Um, Whether individuals who um, are doing this kind of research uh, feel comfortable in advocating uh, for. You know, changes in laws and advocating for stronger policies that would uh, protect the public from firearms uh, uh, violence, I think, is uh, is hard to say. It's going to be sort of very individually based, of course. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I would like to think that. Um, you know, we, those agencies that are doing this kind of research um, are fairly protected from, from that kind of bias, but uh, politics oftentimes win, wins out in these situations. Um, we also have to be very concerned about conflicts of interest when personal opinion is expressed in a political way, uh, when um, there, there is funding that's coming uh, in a, from particular agencies that are going to be influenced by the research that's actually being done. Uh, so I can understand why that concern might be there. What I have found is that and and what we have noticed is that when uh, good research is being um, is being generated, that uh, oftentimes the uh, the data uh, actually trumps uh, any reactive response that might occur because it's very difficult to refute sound objective data that's generated.
0: Certainly, one only has to look back at the Port Arthur Tasmanian massacre in April of nineteen ninety six in Australia. Twenty people are killed in ninety seconds. Within 12 days, Australia has a bill in place. I think it's something that uh, our government and our research institutions have to look at. I think, you know, in in closing, it is probably time for pro-gun safety to move forward to reduce the tolls of death that since Robert Kennedy's death exceeds all American deaths in wars from the Revolution to today. Dr. Fleming, thank you very much for joining us.
1: It's been my pleasure.
0: This is Dr. Maurice Pickard. If you've missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download the podcast and many others in this series. Thank you for listening.